You're listening to another hope-filled podcast from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifenz.org. We have just been in New Zealand all week celebrating my parents' 40th wedding anniversary, which is... uh, been exciting and uh, we flew in last night with both our kids at, uh, at 10 o'clock, got to bed at midnight. So I need Jesus this morning to help me deliver this Word. It's been brewing in my spirit for a couple of weeks now, but I, I know He's going to speak to us. Who's ready to receive? And I, I love as well that we have a church where it's not just sitting through the next 30 minutes, but we're leaning in, wanting to hear from our God. So Lord, I thank you that you are here today. God, I thank you that it's not my my, might this morning, God, that this is not my words, but God, it's you speaking through me. And I thank you, God, that you will do what you wanna do in people's lives. Father, we just take down the walls right now. We just pray that you would speak into our hearts today. God, challenge us where we need to be challenged. Encourage us where we need to be encouraged. But God, we wanna hear your word today, not ours. We switch off our words right now and we lean into your words. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Why don't we thank this great team, eh? Thank you, guys. You legends. Well, I just wanna, I wanted to speak about a message today called The Great Trade. In 1972, a man by the name of George Lucas went to uh, 20th Century uh, Fox Studios and uh, he was a movie director and uh, he said to them, "Uh, I want to direct this, I've got this idea for this movie and I want to direct it and the kind of expected salary of that time was uh, $500,000 and he said to them, I'll do you a deal. I will take $150,000 if you give me the franchise rights, the merchandise rights to this movie. And so the, um, the movie company thought they were getting a really good deal out of that. They jumped on the bandwagon. This movie was a sci-fi movie, so they thought it wasn't going to do that well. But that movie happened to be Star Wars and all the trilogies that came after that. And so this man, George Lucas, ended up receiving from the merchandise rights through that time, $3 billion throughout that time. And then Disney just paid him in 2012 another $4 billion for the rights to continue on with the franchise. And uh, it's been known in history, it's now known in history as one of the worst trades in history. One of the worst deals that ever took place. That 20th Century Fox lost that much money. It went to one individual because of a bad trade. The Bible in Genesis 25 talks about another trade that went bad. And it's the story of Jacob and Esau. And it goes a little bit like this. Jacob, he was a mama's boy, was cooking some stew. Esau was a man's man. He was out hunting and famished. He hadn't caught anything and he came in hungry. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. Jacob replied, first sell me your birthright. And Esau said, look, I'm about to die. What good is my birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and lentil stew. He ate and drank and then got up and left. So Esau, the Bible says, despised his birthright. 
He got to a place where he despised his birthright, where he got, he had this incredible gift, this incredible blessing. The Bible talks about the rights of the firstborn, this birthright, being that he would get the chief of the, the father's inheritance. But not only was it, it was that, it was the spiritual position as well, where uh, the, the promise of Abraham would come through his family line, and eventually the Messiah would be born through that line, a nation would come from that line, God's people would come from that line, this incredible gift that he was given But he got to the place in his life where he gave up this gift for the sake of some stew. For the sake of what his stomach wanted. For the sake of his appetite. For something that would give him appeasement for a few hours and then he would be left hungry again. And he gave up this incredible gift for the sake of his stomach. And when I read that passage in the Bible, I'm like, what the heck was he doing? What was going through his thinking in that moment that he would give up so much for the sake of just some stew? What was going on in his thinking? But you know, I think the challenge is before every single one of us today, because we have all been given incredible gifts. The Bible says that God has placed incredible gifts on the inside of each and every one of us. It says in Ephesians 2 verse 10, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are knitted together. We are His handiworks created with good gifts. In Ephesians 4 verse 8, it says, out of the generosity of Christ, each of us is given His own gift. Then it goes to talk on about the spiritual gifts that He's given us. In Romans 12, verse nine, uh, 6 to 9, it says, We are given different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. We have all been given these incredible gifts. I mean, I look around this room today, the gifts that are here to build God's kingdom, to build God's church, to build His kingdom here on earth, to impact people's lives. Every single one of you have a gift that God has deposited on the inside of you to bring Him glory, to see people introduced to Him, to build His church here. I look at the gifts of encouragement, the gift of administration, the gift of leadership. There's so many gifts, the technical gifts, the worship team, the gifts that are here, the pastoral gifts that you just see operating in the everyday sphere of life. You see what AB does with his sports teams. That's a pastoral gift. We all operate with these incredible gifts in our lives. But the challenge is, So often we can give up our gifts for the sake of what our stomach wants, for the sake of our own desires, for the sake of what our appetites are telling us. And we can make that great trade and lose so much in the process because we lose the gift that God has deposited on the inside of us. Now, when I was just a a young girl, I grew up in a church. There was a small country church of about 80 people. And uh, the pastor's wife would play keyboard and worship would go for like 45 minutes and you endured it rather than enjoyed it. 
And uh, it was, uh, the preaching would go for an hour. And, uh, but I, from this young girl, from this five-year-old girl, I had this passionate desire to build God's church. This absolute love for his house, this absolute love for leadership. I loved anything with leadership. And there was just this gift on the inside of me. I remember watching the pastor's wife play keys and think, wow, imagine one day being able to play the keys in church. Like my dream, I would imagine dream about being a pastor's wife because that was like the epitome of what a woman could do in that church was marry a pastor. I'm my own pastor in my own right right now, but you know, that was the epitome and I would dream like that. And as this young girl, there was this gift, there was this passion that was on the inside. But through my life, there have been so many times where I've felt the pull of the appetite, the pull of the desire. You know, going through high school, so many times when guys were there and just felt so good to be liked by a guy and it would have been easy to give up the gift for the sake of the appetite. Now, I remember when Craig and I first got together, we went overseas, over to America and snowboarded for three months. And it was the time of our lives. It would have been so easy to give up the gift for the sake of just exploring the world, traveling, having fun. So many other times I remember leaving uni, having finished my master's of social work, and uh, I went on to do a placement at Auckland Sexual Abuse Centre and worked with girls that had been abused and sat with them through their medical examination. And, and it was amazing. It was fantastic. It was great to help people. And you felt that, hey, I could settle here, but it wasn't the God gift. It wasn't the God call. You know, having kids, amazing, but I could have been settled and just been comfortable at home with my kids, which please don't get me wrong. So many of us women are called to that and it's a beautiful thing. But I knew for me, it wasn't operating in my gift, but it would have been easy to settle there and that be my appetite, that meet an appetite in me. And there's been so many times where there's been this struggle between the gift and the appetite. And I want to challenge us today, where, how is that struggle going on the inside of us? Are we fully living in obedience, operating in this gift? Or have we let our appetite make the great trade for us? Have we traded in the gift for the sake of our appetite? What I want to do today is just look at what causes us to make this great trade. And the first thing is we lose the wonder of what we have. We lose the wonder. You know, Esau from a young age would have started with this wonder, like, wow, I'm the firstborn. I've got the birthright. Man, this is me. This is fantastic. This is awesome. Look at all I'm going to step into in the future. He would have started with this wow factor. But through life, he got familiar with the gift. He got familiar with what God had entrusted to him. And the challenge is that we can get familiar with God, what God's put on the inside of us. We can get familiar with the gift. I remember the first time coming to life and we sat in the services for a year. And then I remember being asked to do new Christians. And I remember just being like, oh my gosh, shut the front door. I have just been asked to do new Christians. Just this 
wow, what a privilege to sit with someone when they have just met Jesus, to talk with them, to pray with them. What an amazing opportunity. What a privilege. The wow factor. But after a while, it's like, seriously, you need me on team again? Like, isn't there anybody else? Like, I need to get home and cook my stew. I need to get home and cook dinner. And we lose the wonder of the gift for the sake of our appetite. We get familiar with what God has entrusted to us. We have got to keep the wonder alive. The wonder of the fact, I still think about that little five-year-old girl sitting in that little country church. I, I, I look back at that because I've got to keep the wonder alive. The fact that today I'm living the dream and I've got to keep that wonder, that expectation alive. Because when you live in wonder, you live in the moment. You don't want to let a moment go past because, man, you've got to make the most of it. I know I'm in my zone. I'm in my cool. I'm in my gift. I know I'm living in obedience and there's nothing better than that. Well, we've got to keep the wonder alive. I love what Matthew 6 verse 22 to 23 says, Your eyes are windows into your body. If you open your eyes wide in wonder and belief, your body fills up with light. If you live squinty-eyed in greed and distrust, your body is a dank cellar. If you pull the blinds on your windows, what a dark life you will have. Come on, are we living in wonder? Where light can fill us, where His presence can fill us? Are we walking around with our eyes kind of squinty-eyed going, hey, can I really trust this? Can I really trust God to fully step into this gifting? Or are we living in the wonder of what's been entrusted to us? The wonder of making a difference for eternity. See, I believe we don't just lose the wonder of the gift, but we can lose the wonder in ourselves. We lose the wonder of ourselves, what God has placed on the inside of us. You know, Psalm 139, the psalm is talking about, uh, and so you shaped me first inside then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God, your breathtaking body and soul. I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. Like he's speaking in this wonder about himself. What a creation am I? What a creation I am. Look what God has done. And he speaks with this wonder. And we all start out with that wonder. You look at kids. They love themselves. They're confident in who they are. They know what they're good at. If we got all the Pulse kids on stage today and asked them, what are you good at? They would boldly say, I'm good at this. Uh, And they would boldly say as well, I'm not so good at this. They're confident in who they are. But as we grow up, we learn to be, and if we did the same thing, got a bunch of people on stage and said, what are you good at? A lot of us would struggle with that. We lose the wonder of what we've been gifted with. Come on, we've got to keep alive the wonder of what God's doing in us. The second thing is we focus on self rather than kingdom. We make the trade because we focus on self rather than kingdom. See, Esau was so focused on his own immediate needs, his own appetite, that he wasn't thinking about anything beyond himself. He wasn't thinking about the generations to come after him, he wasn't thinking about his family. He wasn't thinking about anyone else but him. It actually says this passage in verse 32. Esau says, what good is the birthright to me? What good is it to me? But the thing about our gift is it's never about us. 
God's never given it to us so we feel good about ourselves and we get a platform. No, He's given it to us for the sake of others, for the sake of building His kingdom, building His church, inputting into others, loving others. It's all about others. It's not about ourselves. We've got to get our eyes off ourselves and step into kingdom purpose. No, this week... We've had an amazing time with family. We went down, first of all, to Craig's uh, parents' place in Tauranga, and they've got this beautiful yacht. We stayed out in the night on the water on this yacht. Then we went out to my family to go beach house in Pawanui, one of the nicest beaches in New Zealand, live the dream, paddle boarding, surfing. And if you get caught up in self, it would be very easy to make calls based on that, based on the stew rather than the gift and what God is calling you to. And who knows, to get on a plane in time for church because that is our priority and that is the gift and that's what we're committed to and that's kingdom purpose. You gotta make sure that you're focused on kingdom, not self. Because at the end of the day, I don't wanna build fun times for myself. It's great to have those times, but life's not about that. Life's not about building fun times for me and my family. It's about having them, yes, but life's not about being centered around that. It's about being centered about the gift, building His kingdom. So when we look at that stuff through the lens of self, it's hard, it's a sacrifice. But when we look at it through the lens of eternity, man, look at, our, look at what I get to build for eternity. Look at what I get to build that matters forever. Look at what I get to build that inputs into other people's lives. Come on, where is our lens at? What lens are we viewing things through? Our own self lens or kingdom lens? Because kingdom lens is so much bigger and broader than self and it will take us into so much more than we could imagine if we would only die to self. That's why Jesus said, if you lay down your life, you'll end up finding it. If you lay it down, you actually end up finding it. It's amazing. Our self-desires promise so much, but they deliver so little. It's like when you're on a fast, you know, and you can't wait to eat. And then you eat and it's like, oh, so wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. Promises so much, delivers so little. The third thing in making this trade is unrealized expectations. Unrealized expectations. So Esau was out hunting and he expected to make a catch. He expected to make a kill. And when his expectations weren't met, he came in determined to still have his expectations met, determined to still have that food. And he was going to sacrifice whatever he needed to sacrifice to get the food, to have his expectations met that he wanted to have met. And when he did that, he entered into the striving and he laid down so much for the sake of his expectations. And you know, we've got to be careful about the expectations that we carry, Expectations can be great, but when our faith is in our expectations, when our focus is all about our expectations, it ends up being in our time frame rather than God's time frame. It ends up being about trusting ourselves, working it out in our own means rather than trusting the God that we serve and love. We've got to, got to make sure that our expectations are placed in Him and on His time frame, not our own. Because otherwise what happens we expect God to provide a life partner for us. When it doesn't happen, when we think it should happen, we end up settling for anybody that comes across our path and end up sabotaging the gift. 
We expect God to do a miracle in our lives. When it doesn't happen the way we think it should happen and when we think it should happen, we end up striving in it and even stepping back from God a bit going, well, God, you didn't fulfill that expectation, so I'm keeping my distance from now on. Rather than trusting that He is the author of life and even though we don't understand all His ways, what He has asked us to do is put our faith in Him, our trust in Him. So I'm gonna live doing what He has asked me to do, not trying to work out all the complications of that, just living in obedience. Come on, what unfulfilled expectations are we still struggling with? If we let them go, trusting that He is the fulfiller of those things and we can trust Him in it, Moving to Melbourne was a massive, obviously a massive thing for us. And we had so many expectations moving here. You know, we, we knew God had called us without a shadow of a doubt. So we had this expectation that we would arrive. Church would just be amazing, just fantastic. We would just get a house like boom, like that. But the first year we were here, it was a struggle. Everything was a struggle. It was a struggle to get a house. Church was fantastic. God did what He needed to do, but there was a lot of transition taking place. It was a hard year. And if our faith had been in the expectations it would have been so easy just to step back from the gift and go, well, it didn't work out like we thought it would, so we're out. And it would have been easy instead to go what our appetite said. We've got to make sure our trust is in what God has said, what God has asked us to do, rather than the expectations we place on ourselves and even on God and in His timing. It's a challenging word, eh? It's why we need to trust Him for his reward. In 2 Chronicles 15 verse 7, it says, But as for you, be strong. Do not give up for the work will be rewarded. We can trust him for our reward. We can trust him in his timing. The fourth thing we make this great trade is because we discredit our gift. We discredit our gift. You know, so often we base the value of our gift and how it compares to others, which is so not kingdom thinking. We so get into this trap, hey, I'm good at that because, you know, compared to them, I do great at that. But it's so not kingdom thinking. The Bible teaches the exact opposite. It says to value our gift based on how it works in with others to value our gift based on how it works in with others. See, I love what 1 Corinthians 12 verse 4 says, I want you to think about how all this makes you more significant, not less, talking about being part of the body. A body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. If foot says, I'm not elegant like hand with all the rings, I guess I don't belong to this body. Would that make it so? If ear said, I'm not beautiful like I, limpid and expressive, I don't deserve a place on the head. Would you want to remove it from the body? If the body was all eye, how could I hear? If all ear, how could it smell? As it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where He wanted it. Come on, we've got to value the part that you have uh, been called to play. We've got to value the gift that's on the inside of you and not get all caught up in how it compares with others. You know, In the world that we live in today, we're taught that the platform is where it's at. You know, through celebrities, through other things, the platform is where it's at. But that's so not true to God's Word. 
God's Word actually says that those that are on the platform will be judged more severely, so you shouldn't seek it. Come on, we've got to value the gift that's been given to us, been entrusted to us, and not compare it with everything else. So kingdom thinking is looking like, wow, look at the part I get to play. And when our friends have come to church, they don't just talk about the message. They don't just talk about the worship. My friends that have come to church, they talk about arriving into the car park and having someone direct them to their car, where their car should be parked. They talk about coming up the stairs and somebody welcoming them, getting a coffee. They talk about the whole experience. It's all of it added together that makes an impact on others. See, we discredit our gift when we compare it. I remember uh, growing up, I've got three brothers and a sister, and I had one brother in particular that would always compare what he got given at Christmas. And uh, one moment in particular, uh, my middle brother and the younger brother both got given bikes. And these bikes were carried out by mum and dad and given to the boys each. And I remember in the moment, the, the older brother who always compared, looking over at the younger brother's bike, and the first thing he said is, well, why is my bike not like that? He hadn't even looked at his bike. All his focus was on the other bike. And in doing so, he missed the gift that had been given to him. We can so easily do that, miss what God's given to us and trusted to us because our eyes are always on what everybody else is doing, what everybody else has been entrusted with. Embrace our gifting. The last one, if Pete, you can join me, please, is the human factor. We trade, we make the great trade because of the human factor. See, later on in Genesis 27, when Jacob uh, takes deceitfully Esau's blessing, and the Bible says that Esau cries out, and he says, isn't he rightly named Jacob? This is the second time he's taken advantage of me. He took my birthright, and now he's taken my blessing. But it's like, hang on, buddy. You traded your birthright. You were the one that made the choice to let go of the gift for the sake of the stew, for the sake of your appetite and what your appetite wanted. You were the one that made that ultimate call. Yes, Jacob deceived you, but you also held a part in that. It was your responsibility to preserve the gift, to not despise it like the Bible says, but to treasure it. And it's amazing how we can put the blame on others for the trade that we make. It's amazing how easy it can be to blame the human factor in making that great trade. Now, the unfortunate thing is that people are everywhere. We are always going to be disappointed by people. People are always going to let us down. In church, they're going to let us down. Leadership is going to let you down because we are all people. And it can be a place of excuse for us. And we can end up letting go of the gift because of what has happened, the trust that has been broken, what somebody has done, what somebody has said, what happened in the past. And we can forsake the gift because of the human factor. But again, the Bible is so clear on this. It can never be an excuse for making the trade. Amazing if you look at the parable of the talents where 
You know, the master gives three people different uh, talents and the first two multiply their gifts in an amazing way, invest their gifts, but the third one buries his gift and doesn't do anything with it. And his, ex- his excuse is this. He says to the master, I know that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here it belongs to you. So he's making all these excuses about why he didn't invest the gift. And then the master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown, gather where I've not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers. So when I returned, I would have received that back with interest. So the master was like, yeah, I'm a hard man, but that's no excuse for not investing the gift. It's no excuse. We can get so caught up in all our excuses But at the end of the day, I'm just going to preach it how it is right now. When we stand before our God, those excuses are not going to hold a bar whatsoever. Those excuses are not going to measure up in any iota compared to what the gift that He's entrusted you with. It says in Matthew 16, verse 27, the Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels and then reward each person according to what they have done. And we don't preach a lot like this in church. It's all about grace. You know, God's with you. It's going to be okay. But we're going to be held accountable for what we do with what's been entrusted to us. And those excuses aren't going to hold up. You know, Pastor Paul, when he came two weeks ago, and the prophetic word he had for us is that some of us have got to get over our excuses, those things that have held us back for too long. Come on, church, there's a work to do. There's a city to reach. There are people to love. Your gift is desperately needed. Your gift is so needed. And the excuses, I get them, but they shouldn't cause us to settle for the stews. They shouldn't cause us to settle for what our appetite wants and give up the gift because the gift, it's got an eternal reward. This what matters forever and this is what I want to keep holding on to with that wonder with that amazement you know what it doesn't matter what someone's spoken over you doesn't matter what other people have done to you the gift the Bible says is irreversible the call is irreversible there is nothing that can take your gift from you I was talking to someone who's really close to me this week, going through a really hard time. And they were talking about when they were younger, just a teenager, this lady in church came up to them and just, and said to them, you know, like you're like a rubber band and you've stretched it too far with God and He's letting you go and He he needs you to know that you're never going to be accepted by Him again. And there's always from that point been the struggle with her with acceptance. You know, in that moment, I'm like, who was she? I'm going to find her and I'm going to beat her. Which is because it's so not God's heart. Such a lie of the enemy. But in that moment, I said to her, but you know, babe, you've got a choice right now. Because that excuse, it's not going to sit. It's not God's truth. It is not God's Word. And that excuse can be with you for why you're being like this right now. 
but it's not going to weigh out. It's God's truth. You need to choose right now to step into His truth, to let go of the excuse and step into His truth. And we all have to make that choice to let go of the excuses and step into our gift. Romans 11 verse 29, for God's gifts and His call are irrevocable. Irrevocable. Some of us, you may feel like, man, I've gone past the point of that gift being used. God wants you to know this morning, it's irreversible. It's still on the inside of you, waiting to be used, waiting to come out waiting to be treasured with that wonder of, wow, look at what I get to build for Him. Look at what I get to build for His sake. And I know there's people also here. I love that that verse says too, His call is irreversible. God's called you into a relationship with Him. He's called you to know Him. He's called you to press into Him. He's called you to have relationship with Him. That's why He sent His Son Jesus to die on a cross so that we can freely, as we are, come to Him and find relationship, find forgiveness, find redemption in who Jesus is. And it's this beautiful call that He puts out to us. But I know this morning that some of us have got to answer that call and say, yes, Jesus. Yes to relationship with Him. Yes to allowing Him into your life. Yes to being used by Him. Yes, God, I want to give this God thing a go. And you may have been here and got caught up in a whole lot of other things. You may have once said yes, but you know you're not living in a relationship with Him right now. Then right now, we're going to just say a prayer together and give you a moment to get your relationship with Jesus right. So we're all going to just give people privacy right now. Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes. And Christians, be praying because this is the most important part of the service right now. But if you know that you're here and you're not walking in that relationship with Jesus, you know He's calling you into relationship with Him. But other things have got in the way and you know that you're not living connected to Him. This morning, I want to give you the opportunity to answer that call, to say yes to Him. So right where you're seated, all I'm going to ask you to do is just lift your hand as a sign to Him, as a sign to heaven, to say, hey, I need you, God. And all we're going to do is just pray a prayer exactly where you're seated for you to just get your relationship right with Him. So just right where you're seated, if that's you, you know, hey, this morning, I know I need to answer that call. I know I need to get right with God right now. Why don't you, right where you see seated, just put up your hand and say, hey, I know that that's me today. Fantastic. Hands going up. Come on, who else is there today? Fantastic. Who else is there that join those four people and say, hey, I know, fantastic. Fifth hand there, it's awesome. Who else would say, hey, I know that that's me. I know I need to answer that call and allow Him to be Lord of my life. Who else is there? You say, hey, that's it. Fantastic to see you. It's brilliant. Come on, we're going to join together with those six people right now. and We're going to pray a prayer together. This is especially for those that put up your hand. Why don't you pray this? Jesus, I invite you into my life. I ask you to be my God, to be my Lord. I give you my life. And I ask you to change me from the inside out. I give you my wrongs. I'm sorry for them. And I want a new start in you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Come on, why don't we thank all those that put up their hands. So awesome.
And if you put up your hand, we want to encourage you just to fill out the card that's on your seat and just tick in the box there, whether this is a first time decision for you or you've been away from God and reconnecting. Would you just fill out that card and hand it into the offering container as it goes past? And also we'd love to get this beautiful Bible to you. And these are going to be at the group stand directly out these doors here after the service. There's somebody there that can pray with you if you want them to pray with you as well. We'd love to connect with you in any way. But I really pray we've been challenged today, eh? To not settle for the stew, to embrace the gift. Because the gift, man, it's what's going to build for eternity. So come on, why don't we bow our heads and I'm going to pray for us. Lord, I pray, God, that for all of us, we'd be stirred to embrace the gift in a greater way. God, that would pursue You more, Lord, and what You see for our lives. God, that we would put on Your lens, Lord, not get so caught up in what we see. And Father, I just pray right now, God, that for those of us that even wonder, have I even got a gift? Father, I pray that You would reveal it. Lord, I pray that You'd bring out the wonder of it. God, I pray that we would see it. We would see the part that we have to play, that we would value it, that the enemy would not be able to come along and try and rob it from us. But God, we would treasure it with everything that we have. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifenz.org.